David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago Sun-Times sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy, because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Elliot, we're going to have another great show today. I just, I feel it. You feel it. Things are warming up around here. It's warming up. Everything's working. Your website's back running again. ElliotHarris.com. All is good with the world. We have the best sound man producer in the business, Dave Olson. Keeps us out of trouble. Surprise to me. Gets these guests on the line. But let's get right to our first guest. A gentleman who was a four-time All-Star. 1953 American League MVP. He won a World Series with the Indians in 1948. He was the original Hebrew Hammer, Al Rosen. How you doing, Al? Good morning. I'm fine, thank you. What was it like coming up as uh, you know in, into the big leagues, and all of a sudden you're in the World Series? Well, it's sort of a dream come true. You uh, you do that uh, as a kid. You grow up on the sand lots, and uh, you dream about playing in the big leagues someday. And when it finally comes to fruition, you you're overwhelmed and overawed by the people you're surrounded by, and the stars and uh, the glitter. Uh, it was quite an experience. I mean, you go right from the war to leading the American League in home runs as a rookie. I mean, you don't see that type of thing. I mean, usually it takes a little while to get adjusted a couple of years. Well, actually, I did. Uh, uh, I got out in 1946 and played at Pittsfield, Massachusetts in a Class C league. From there, I went to A Oklahoma City in the Texas League. I stayed with the Indians for a while and then was optioned out to Kansas City. Stayed with the Indians again in 1948. Uh, and part of 49 was optioned out again to San Diego. And finally in 1950, I became a regular when the incumbent third baseman, Ken Keltner, uh, retired. Now, did you think after that first World Series, this is pretty easy, the Indians will be here on a regular basis? Well, certainly with the uh, the retinue of players we had, uh, I would think so. Uh, Bob Feller was in his prime, and uh, Bob Lemon, and some of the other great uh, great pitchers of that era were on that ball club. And of course, Boudreaux, Lou Boudreaux, was there. Uh, Joe Gordon, who's a Hall of Famer, along with Boudreaux, uh, these were <laughs> these fellas could really play, and. Uh, being a part of that was something that I had wanted, cherished, and thought about all my life, and it finally came to pass. I see that one, two of your favorite players growing up were Lou Gehrig and Hank Greenberg, and then Hank Greenberg signed you to one of your contracts. That'd be a real thrill. Well, I first met Greenberg in 1948 when he was then the uh, running the minor league system, the farm director for the Indians. And he then went on to become general manager, and I became the third baseman uh, as a regular in 1950. Now, you didn't get back to the World Series until 54 with the Indians. Did you have a greater appreciation for that one? We had a great ball club that year. We won 111 games. Uh, 
which was a modern record at that time, because if you recall, we only played 154 in those days. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was a long time coming. We were always the bridesmaid, never the bride, uh, running second to the Yankees through the first few years of my major league career. Uh, but finally, in 54, we broke through, and unfortunately, it wasn't a happy ending because the Giants beat us in four straight. And it's, you know, certainly memorable for the Willie Mays catch that you see every time the World Series comes around. There he is going uh, back to the infield, to the center field wall, making that catch off the bat of Vic Wirtz. It was a great play. There was no doubt about that. Uh, not only the catch, but the throw back into the infield. Uh, Dobie was on second. I was on first. I had rounded second. Dobie had rounded third. We had to scurry to get back. Fortunately, neither one of us were doubled off. Uh, but Mays made a great catch. Uh, better than the catch was the throw. The best player you ever played against? It uh, depends. I mean, uh, <clears throat> the best hitter, of course, was Williams. Uh, the best player I ever saw, uh, there were a number of them. Uh, Boudreaux in his prime was, was a terrific shortstop. Joe Gordon at second base was it was as good as it there ever was, uh, but Willie Mays stands out in my mind as the greatest player that I ever saw. And if I were in a position to pick one player to start a franchise with, it would be Willie Mays. You weren't too shabby yourself. I mean, you almost won that triple crown the one year you lost by less than a percentage point. Well, I had my day, but. But I'm talking about long careers and people who, you know, played for uh, 10, 15, 20 years or more. And Mays did that. And he played every day. And Mays, Mays had the, the ability to beat you in so many different ways. He beat you with his glove, his, his bat, his arm, his speed. Uh, Willie Mays, in my mind, was the greatest player who's ever been on a diamond. Now, were you happy that you had Bob Feller on your team and you didn't have to bat against him? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, when Bob Feller used to throw batting practice, which he did in those days, I would not take batting practice. I uh, <clears throat> I skipped that part of it because I felt that uh, he was a goofy-looking guy out on the mound, and he he really had he had a great fastball. His best pitch was his breaking ball, his curve. He could freeze a batter. And Joe DiMaggio, a few years ago, before he passed away, he told me he thought Feller was the best he ever saw. You had some pretty good pitchers. I mean, when you were with the Yankees and Astros, I mean, you had Ron Guidry, and you had a guy who just struck out over 300 guys a couple of years, J.R. Richard, who the guy was just phenomenal. Well, unfortunately, J.R. was hurt. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think if J.R. had remained healthy, he would have been a Hall of Famer. He had great stuff, and it was just too bad that, that uh, injury cut his career short. Now, Ron Guidry was terrific. He had that great year for the Yankees in 78. He was 25-3, and three, and uh, nobody ever had a better year. Now, with the transition from player to front office, what was that like for you? Well, yeah, step up, I guess. So. <laughs> I was, at that point, you know, you're... Instead of complaining, you're listening to all the players complain. But I enjoyed my, uh, unfortunately, my playing career was cut short by injuries. 
and I never got to fulfill my, uh, you know, my my dream of being a Hall of Famer. But uh, going into the front office uh, extended my baseball career. I met a lot of wonderful people, wonderful players. I enjoyed every minute of it. Even being the president of the New York Yankees with the Bronx Zoo. Well, that was that had its ups and downs. I mean, <laughs> George Steinbrenner and I were very good friends. Uh, we remained friends until his passing. Uh, he was a very difficult guy to work for. I, I preferred being his friend rather than working for him. <laughs> Could you be both? I don't think so. At least I couldn't. What about Billy Martin? No, we don't go there. <laughs> you were with the Giants as a GM with their famous World Series in 89 with that earthquake. What was that like? Well, it's scary. You know, you get... You finally get to the World Series, and you're you're excited and looking forward to the series, and all of a sudden you, you hear this rumble, and you realize you're in the middle of an earthquake. Fortunately, there was no damage to the people in the stands, uh, and uh, my guess is that if there hadn't been an earthquake or in a World Series, if, pardon me, if there hadn't been a World Series, that earthquake would have done much more damage and the and the loss of lives and injuries and things of that nature because uh, while we had a rumble in the stadium, uh, we didn't have any injuries and nothing bad, really bad, happened on the field that day. Now, do you ever say to yourself, you know, if I'd had another four or five years, I might have ended up in Cooperstown? Oh, you dream about things. You know, we all we all have fantasies. I have mine. I guess everybody has theirs. Uh, I think that if I, I do believe that if I completed a career of 12 to 15 years, uh, I would have put up the kind of numbers that at least would give me recognition uh, with the possibility of getting into the hall. What do you think what's going on with the Dodgers right now with that whole ownership situation, the bankruptcy? It's a mess. It's a total mess. Uh, both sides have their talking points. Uh, I believe that I believe the uh, the franchise would be better off in the hands of somebody else. Not a simple process, though. No. You know, McCourt's going to fight that as much as he can, and I would assume... Well, understandably so. You know, right. It's, you know. it's a, being a major league owner and being able to afford a major league team uh, is sort of the icing on the cake for someone who's made their money elsewhere. They're talking about... Um Steve Garvey and Oral Hershiser are putting a group together and trying to buy the Dodgers. Do you think that would be a good idea? I have no no thoughts about that. What about the Chicago Cubs situation? Unfortunately, that seems to get worse, not better. What's uh, is I a, can't understand that. It's just um, it, it's just a real enigma, uh, and the Cub fans are long long suffering. I hope someday they. Uh, they pull it all together and get a World Series in that town. Okay. So as someone who's born on February 29th, does this mean you're about 22 years old? Uh, I feel 87. <laughs> <laughs> so when do you celebrate? Uh, we, we normally celebrate the 29th every four years. <laughs> the cake gets bigger. But now you're legal to drink now, right? <laughs> well, if I drank, I think I would be. <laughs> If you were GM of the Cubs, what would you do to fix the situation? Oh, I have no. That's. I can't go there because I don't know the situation, and I've, I've tried.
tried never to be a second guesser in my entire life, and so I don't intend to start now. But having been a general manager, you've been second guessed. What What was your most challenging season? Uh, as a general, I think uh, uh, the Yankees in '78. Uh, our pitching staff went down. Uh, we relied on. It was just. It was a blood and gut season. Uh, finally, when we made the managerial change in July and brought Bob Lemon in, he settled things down. The pitchers got healthy again. The team went on a winning streak, and uh, you know, it just the Bucky Dent home run to put us into the series was uh, uh, the climax. Uh, winning against the Dodgers in six games was the icing on the cake. It was a great year. Bob Lemon deserves a multitude of credit for uh, being the skipper uh, of a team that was really in disarray. But he brought it all together, and the rest is history. I'll tell you one thing you need to do. You played. You were president, general manager. How come you didn't act on General Hospital? Your former teammate, John Berardino, was basically ran the show there for 30 years. He sure did. <laughs> he dreamed about that his entire life. Uh, when I played with him back in 47, 48, and 49, uh, that, that's all he wanted to do was go to Hollywood and be an actor. And he was a good one. He did a great job on that show. Better actor than ball player. <laughs> Not a bad ball player. He just didn't get a chance. <laughs> After all, he was playing in back of Joe Gordon, who was a Hall of Famer, and it's hard to play behind a fellow like that. I mean, in closing, I mean, you had... Bob Feller, like you said, Bob Lemon, early win on those teams. You had Lou Boudreaux, Gordon, Mickey Vernon. How did you not win every year? Well, (laughs) the Yankees. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a bad ball club back then. Thank you very much, Mr. Rosen. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, and thanks for calling. That was should-be Hall of Famer Al Rosen. What a great guy. Needed a few more seasons in the majors, and he would have been. We're going to take a short break, and then when we get back, we're going to have a young ball player who plays for the Chicago Bandits, Kalen Lever. We'll look forward to it. Stay tuned. You listen to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com.